Hello folks and welcome to a long-awaited podcast episode for the Yorkshire EV Club. And today there'll be myself and Ivan who will be recording this. Um, The plan is that we'll tell you what events have gone on and give you some uh, memories from recent meetings and we'll also discuss EV-related news articles and we'll finish with a few events that come up in the club along with all of our social links. So, folks, we, we thought we'd start off this podcast with um, talking about how we've grown as a club. And we now have um, a fully experienced admin team. And um, it, it's kudos, really, to the diversity and, and range of the members that um, everyone has a has a role. For instance, um, Ivan, who's sat here with me, he looks after the Facebook page. Um, we have... Uh, Paul Carnell and Richard Amende, who organise all the meetings. And that's what I wanted to focus on now, is we've had a very successful year so far with lots of meetings. Um, And I thought I'd just talk about one of those in particular, in in that we've done the Fully Charged show. And it's the first time we've done it as a club. Uh, We've all been to the previous Fully Charged shows, or some of us have. And um, this is the first time we've done it with a club stand, uh, and Paul and Richard did a fantastic job there, and it's kudos to them, really. And um, so I'm sat here with Ivan, and this was Ivan's first fully charged. So did you want to talk about how you found it, Ivan? Yeah, sure, sure. So um, it, it was um, it was a bit daunting at first because uh, I've never been to a fully charged show, and we certainly um, hadn't been there uh, with a club stand. So it was very much we didn't really understand um what we were trying to accomplish in terms of you know people coming in talking to us so it was pretty pretty natural what we were doing in terms of we we just talked to people explained the benefits of evs and i think it was a highlight of the show actually for or for the highlight of the stand was the actual uh badge making system that um one of our sponsors uh izu um lent to us and what it did i find i i found was it entertained the children while the grown-ups had the the conversations so and it was it was uh really popular so we had lots of kids come along bringing their uh parents in and didn't i hear that paul being paul didn't he get a badge on someone particularly famous yeah yeah paul being paul um he's quite blunt sometimes and uh yeah he he managed to 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 badge one of the main people uh for the fully charged show a, a guy called robert llewellyn i, oh, I think uh, i've heard of him yeah 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 so um he he basically shouted out robert i've got a badge for you uh it was it was interesting and and actually because paul's quite tall he's quite a, an ominous character and um Robert turned around quickly and he realised that he was looking up at Paul, where Paul there with a badge. So it was quite funny at the time. Right. Yes, and and I believe there's video footage of him wearing that badge all day. I think he didn't he didn't dare take it off, did he? There there might be uh, evidence to that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was that was quite interesting. So yeah, he was wearing it as a lapel pretty much most of the weekend. Yeah, I suppose we better give a shout out to. 
chat for me, VZoo would be John Timmins, wouldn't it? Who's uh, a long time member. Yeah, massive, uh, massive thanks out to to John. He provided us not only with the badge making machine, but actually with the gazebo itself. Um, and without it, uh, and also thinking about it, the public liability insurance. Yeah. So I mean, as a club, we haven't really worked with partners for any commercial reason whatsoever. Uh, but John is someone we've known and trusted, and uh, and they stepped up and helped us out. So a massive thank you to them there. Yeah. Um, we are fiercely independent, uh, and, and me as the founder of the club, I guess I am reluctant to work with anyone for any kind of commercial reasons, but this was a good fit. It's people we trusted, and, and they they came through for us and, and made, helped make the show what it was for us. And um, as I said, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make this particularly fully charged, but... Uh, from what I hear, it, it's the biggest and most successful we've had to date. And um, Ivan, what, did you say that you'd seen some very interesting cars there? Oh, oh yeah. Um, I think the highlight of the show was the McMurtry Spurling. It's it's difficult to get how or a grasp on how small it actually is when you see the photographs of it. And to me, it just looked like a Batmobile. Um, but it was it's an incredible car um, it's probably the size of an original Mini the length of it and probably about three quarters of the width of the Mini so it, the, the original um, 1960s Mini 1970s wow. Mini um, and to get into it you had a massive deck to crawl across and in it had like gullwing doors to get inside uh, it was there, I think it was sponsored by My Energy. Oh, um, that's right. So, yeah, and I think uh, Jordan, uh, I can't remember her is second it, is name. Is it Brompton? Brompton, yeah. that's it, yeah. She was doing some photo shoots inside the car. And, uh, yeah, it was basically the centrepiece of the whole uh, indoor arena. Um, but it's an incredible machine, and... It's only got a tiny little battery, but it's it's got one job to do, and it's just incredible. I think it's is it like one point eight or one point six seconds to sixty. Wow! It, it's ridiculously fast, um, but it sounds like a Hoover when it starts up because of the fan, <laughs> the fan in it. So, yeah, but it was an incredible machine. But there, that was one of maybe sixty or seventy cars. Did you see the, um, I mean, because I'm quite fascinated by the idea of these small urban solution vehicles. Um, did you see the Fiat Ami there at all? That, that's an interesting little thing. Oh, sorry, the Citroen Ami. Uh, Citroen, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, it was actually by, I think it was by one of the charge companies. EDF, I think, was there and they were, were showing it. And it's, in, it's an incredibly um, uh, cheap car to, to buy. Well, in relative terms for all EVs, and you can see where they've how they've made it cheaper because the the driver's door is basically a reverse of the passenger door, and then the front of the car is basically just the back of the car as well. So they they've kind of made it symmetry. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's symmetry. Yeah, um, and I tell you, that that would go down really well in small. Um, cities like Leeds or Yorkshire where 
basically you probably never get above 20, 25 miles an hour because it's got top speed. 28, isn't it? Yeah, 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 something like that. But incredible car. And when you sit inside it, it's actually really big. I mean, we've all fallen in love, haven't we, over the the last sort of few years, the Twizy. Uh, And I think as people, they make people smile, people think they're a bit of a joke, but actually... um, Having a lot smaller cars buzzing around our streets, I don't think is a bad thing at all. Like you say, for a city like York that probably has quite narrow little roads and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, the, the Twizy, uh, I mean, I looked at the Twizy and uh, I've, I've often thought I could quite easily get that in a garage. And there's a there was a guy on YouTube that actually... Uh, uprated, uprated his Twizzy and he put a different speed controller in and he was getting 60 miles an hour out of it. I, I'm not too sure that I'd like to be doing that. That would be terrifying, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, especially when you go past the lorry. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the Twizzy was kind of the, the original small um, small car. Well, it's it's a quadricycle, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the Ami is classed as a quadricycle as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think it is. And um, there's just another one that's come out, um, which Bjorn Nyland from Tesla Bjorn has just um, reviewed in one of his latest videos, which it looks looks absolutely fantastic. But again, it's a quadricycle, um, which means that you can drive it as a, a young child or I think in France, the the Ami is like 14 years old. You can drive it from something ridiculous like wow, that. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So did you see anything else of interest? There? Was the DeLorean there this time? No, the DeLorean wasn't there. Um, uh, but there were a few electric pickups there. Um, some of you might have heard the uh, motor company Ford. They had their F-150 Lightning. Now, I could not believe how big that lightning was the tires on it were absolutely huge um it's one of those cars that's probably in the same category as the model x it's it's just too big for for i i believe uh uk roads i mean if you're going down a single track carriageway there is no way even with a passing place you're going to get two cars or an f-150 and another car passing each other no and i guess it makes absolutely perfect sense on florida roads or whatever doesn't it yeah. oh god yeah yeah but um and as a, at the side of it there was the the new rivian and that was absolutely gorgeous the pickup truck and the oh, interior yeah, yeah. the interior though it was it was like driving a car inside um and i could see that being very popular if that came over to the uk so Whilst you were there, then obviously, other than the vehicles, fully charged, one of the most fascinating things for me is all the different lectures they have and all the different people they have talking, which for me is well worth the ticket price alone. Did you see any particular um, talks or anything while you were there? Yeah, um, we went to see, well, it was myself, um, Kevin, uh, Kev Chan, that was, uh, the other YouTuber. Um, We went to see a talk on microgeneration. Uh, and it was just fascinating the the future of it. it it's basically going to end up that if we can all get or most of us get solar panels, um, it's going to help to balance things out. Uh, they were talking about battery storage. They were talking about heating homes. It was just once you've it's it's kind of I think the way that they 
explained it was once you get an EV, it's a bit like crack. You've got to push the next green, the green part of it. So they were talking about batteries. They were talking about solar. They were talking about uh, so divert. Yeah, I mean, uh, we would say, folks, that we wouldn't like anyone to get into crack. <laughs> but we would like you all to get into EVs. And, um, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I just going on an ever so slight tangent here, lithium batteries have really uh, changed everything. I mean, I, I speak for myself. I've recently bought a, a little power pack. And when I'm out and about and away from home, I have the means to charge my phones, run a small heater, run a kettle, all from the comfort of my car. And, you know, and that can be filled up. They sell a solar panel with that. I mean, the one I've got is a, an EcoFlow River 2, but that can be run with a little solar panel. Uh, and yeah, as you say, as an EV driver, you think, how can I run my house more efficiently? How can I use my energy better? Uh, and I don't know about you, I see it as a bit of a challenge. Yeah, 100%. Um, and and what I was saying to you earlier, Darren, um, before the, we started the podcast was, I was looking at uh, an EcoFlow as well because of the, the blackouts. Do, do you remember those that they were supposed to be happening over the winter? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I basically looked into an EcoFlow, um, pretty much what you've got um, sitting on the floor here. And in the end, I, I we kind of worked out that because we were getting solar this year, that uh, it would be probably a bit of a, a wasted purchase but what you've done with yours i mean you, you, you take yours out into your your little camper don't you so yeah yeah I just, there's, there's plenty of uses for it there and and um as i say i don't have to worry about phones or i can run a kettle from it or a little heater and it's it's literally it's three kilos yeah it's i mean i've, I've had a look at it and it's it is portable it's actually smaller than a handbag isn't it it's yeah. certainly smaller than julie's handbag <laughs> I'm, I'm glad she's not around. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was more about the once you've kind of uh, invested in a, an EV, it's about what's the next step, and and you, you hit the nail on the head. It's you know, how can you be more efficient, uh, changing your your usage of electricity, and you know changing you know for example, uh, let's take the Octopus Go tariff. It's uh, you know you get a small window of when you can charge your EV up. But we we use that for not just charging your EV up, but load shifting, like put, washing, perhaps. Yeah, exactly yeah. washing, um, dishwasher. Um, we've also put our uh, we've got like a temporary swimming pool. We've got a, a pump on that. We run that between um, the, the the hours, and you know it saves us so much money. It's incredible. So that was that was one of the lectures you you attended on the micro generation. Did you get to any others or no? Unfortunately, we were on the stand most of the day, and we we had so many people asking us questions about the club, um, and about EVs in general. Did you get many people coming up who weren't already EV drivers then who come to the show just out of interest? Absolutely, yeah. We. And and what it was initially was the children were coming over, as I say, for for the badges, and then the parents were, were saying, "Hold on a second, what 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 are you actually about?" And we would tell them, and we'd ask them, you know, "What are you driving?" Oh, we're driving a, a diesel or a petrol car, and um, and then we talked to them about because I, I actually brought a list of my 
uh, energy usage and how many miles I was getting out of our particular EV. Yeah. And I was showing them, and they were going, hold on a second, it's, it's cost you £300 to do 10,000 miles a year. And I was like, yeah, what's it costing you? This is why we have you running our Facebook page, Ivan, because you're very good with the stats and stuff. And you present them to people in a way that um, that they understand. Uh, and we have lots. For anyone that's interested in going to our club on Facebook, we have documents on there that can help you with, with finding information out if you're looking to purchase an EV. Obviously, if you're a convert, you'll still be interested because you'll learn a few things as well. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible how much money we saved. We We worked out because um, my wife at the time needed a new car and she's got back problems so it was like okay let, let's get an automatic and it kind of like we, we had a, an open day at our our um, works for electric vehicles and I was I was always a bit you know it's electric vehicle you know typical you know you can't do a billion miles on a a, 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 a charge um, but once I'd driven these cars, it was it was a game changer. And when I got back from from work, I said, um, "Have you considered buying an electric?" And she was like, "No, no, no, they're 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 a load of rubbish." And I was like, "Okay." Um, and then we actually met one of the the club admins, Ian Tattersall, uh, who worked at the time for Peugeot, and we took one of his cars out, and she was instantly converted. That's yeah. uh... What I would say is that Ian, Ian got me in my first EV as well. Uh, he was working for a local dealership and uh, I test drove an old Japanese um, built Nissan Leaf with the old battery pack. And it, it, I'd say to anyone, just drive one and you'll, you'll understand. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I mean, when we started doing the maths, and, and I say, I've, I've, or as um, Darren says, we've put, I've put a spreadsheet on the, the website and you know if you've got any questions you know message me but we worked it out from the cost of how much petrol would be and we were number one my wife was spending probably about 300 pound per month on petrol because yeah she was all over the place and she works for a hospital so she was going between hospitals i mean that cost that's more than the cost of my lease for my zoe is that yeah yeah it, it when we started looking at the cost of fuel and the cost of the car yeah the cost of the car we, we actually bought the car and we took a loan out but we looked at the cost of running the cost of the car and we worked out that we could we could have bought a cheaper car but when i worked out the cost it was a second-hand petrol car with the running cost for a year tax service etc and the electric car being i think we we worked it out it was going to be ten thousand pound more it worked out cheaper in the long run over the year. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, when you start doing the maths and looking at it across any long term, it, it just makes sense. So we'll wrap up this section now, folks. Uh, we're nearly 20 minutes in. We'll move on to some, some news articles that caught our attention. Thought we'd cover a couple of news articles now. We'll try not to spend too long on, on either of them. But this one caught my eye, uh, sort of end of April, early May. Uh, a British firm has developed a new response vehicle to help d- extinguish EV fires. So uh, a firm has created a rapid intervention vehicle that can help emergency teams tackle electric vehicle and car park fires. So this company is based in York, ProSpeed Motorsport, 
They've engineered a new vehicle based on the um, Toyota Hilux, and it features a new chassis, and it's to help fire teams deal effectively with car fires, specifically EV car fires. So uh, it's called the Hiload 6B6 Rapid Intervention Vehicle. Uh, it features a 3,000 kilo payload, almost triple that of a regular Hilux. Uh, and basically, it has a system where it um, injects water at very high pressure into the EV's chassis. And it helps to extinguish the EV fire um, using far less water, but by using it much more highly pressurised. So I guess, you know, we're all used to, as those EV drivers that are listening, we're all used to all of the naysayers giving us the hundreds of reasons why EVs are bad. but what people have to remember is that innovation continues and this is in all aspects. And this is one area where, um, you know, those that are rightly saying that a lithium fire is hard to control. Well, we all, it looks like we already have a bit of a solution on the table. Yeah. That, that's one thing. It, the, the media negatively covers EV fires, despite them being a fraction of the, 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 the petrol and, the petrol fires that happen every day, but it's it's just a massive story all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you, every time I go on a long journey on the motorway, I see something on fire at the side of the road, and it's not, it's not usually an EV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. funny enough, um, one of our club members um, mentioned about the hot weather, and he, he said that he's seen a number of petrol cars that are pulled up to the side of the motorway uh, broken down because of the extreme heat. Um, and I've not seen a... Uh, an EV broken down well since I've been driving. And all EV drivers like about the heat is the fact that well, we get so much more range. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's I, I just don't get the mentality of the media. Um, unfortunately, they're out to demonise it. And I think what I've worked out is there's some roots back to um, oil uh, um, oil companies that sponsor, sponsor the media. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, this is a known quantity, and this is what we're fighting. Um, but it's good to see that people are pouring money into solutions. And it's like breakdown recovery. Um, I'd imagine most large areas now have AA and RAC vans. have got battery packs on to give people an emergency charge. Yeah, in fact, um, one of the um, companies, I think it was the AA, were at uh, fully charged, and they had specific van set up for EVs and getting them going again once they'd run out of charge. But, I mean, realistically, how many times have you run out of charge? Well, I've been driving EVs for eight years now and I haven't run out once. No, it's funny that because I, I've, I've been driving two and a half years and never run out. I mean, I've got close, but you kind of – the car gives you miles miles of warning to say, look – your battery's low, charge. I mean, I remember my first EV journey up to Scotland and uh, I really shouldn't have done it from Hull. The infrastructure wasn't there. It had a 50-mile range at motorway speeds uh, and I came very close on that journey. But I'll be honest, these days, in my Zoe, with a good 220 miles range in summer, um, every McDonald's these days seems to have an Instavolt. Uh, every supermarket seems to have an Osprey or a Genie. A lot of Marston's pubs do. I don't even think about it these days. There's no pressure whatsoever. I know I can rock up somewhere with 15% and find something easily within that range. 
Yeah, and that was the biggest challenge to um, to, to us buying the EV was the range anxiety. And you know what? After about two or three months, range anxiety wasn't a thing. Yeah, we found something else to worry about. It was, you know, was, I've got a nail in my tyre or, or, or whatever else. So there is actually another uh, news article we need to talk about, and it's it's hit the headlines, um, and it's the the Tesla that have decided to um, push the NACS standard, which is a North American charge standard. Have you heard about that at all? Uh, no, I can't say as I have. No. Okay, so um, in America, there's obviously um, there's quite a few EVs. Tesla's obviously rampant out there because it's an American company. Um, and if you've ever seen the Tesla chargers on their superchargers, they're very odd shaped. They're very elegant, but very odd shaped. But they've basically what they've done is they've combined the AC charger connector and a DC charger connector into one connector. Um, I don't know if you've you've seen that at all. No, but that's a great solution, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And and Tesla from the start always said, look, we're going to um, make this open source and it's been open source since the supercharger networks been created um and what's happened now is uh, a little company called aptera so by open source that means anyone can work on the development is that right yeah so absolutely so open source means um the the source of the technology or whatever the software is out in the public domain so um it's basically anyone can pick it up. So like Linux then? Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly, same same principle. Um, and the reason why Aptera wanted to use it was because the the charge connector is really elegant. It's very small. It's probably about um, a couple of inches roundish. It's it's not quite round, but... Well, we're all fed up of using those massive CCS bloody guns, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's... And, and then what happened after Aptera kind of adopted it for their... Um, Aptera, um, I think it's a it's a tri a tri wheeled um, EV that they're making, and Ford came along and jumped on the bandwagon and said, "Yeah, we want to use your uh, NACS standard," which was interesting because uh, Jim Farley at Ford were was basically bad mouthing Elon Musk a few weeks before. They'll jump on board in yeah, the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then once Ford jumped on board, GM um, decided that they want to jump on board, and it's created a domino effect because now we've we understand that Mercedes and Stellantis, who build like Fiat, um, Peugeot, etc., etc., Citroen, they've decided they want to jump on board. Uh, must stress though, this is only in North America because of the standard. Well, you can see how these things can sometimes. Escalate, and I guess uh, this would give, uh, assuming there's approval, then the potential for other people to use the Tesla network. Absolutely, yeah. I think, I think Elon Musk has has had this in the planning for years, and no matter what, whether you love him or hate him, the man is is very intelligent. Yeah, he's he's proven to be a bit of a genius, and as you say, uh, because he's become a controversial character with his. Uh, I think maybe his ego's got the better of him sometimes, but uh, I guess given all he's achieved, maybe he's allowed a bit of ego away. 
God, yeah. I mean, he's running what the Boring Company, the the SpaceX, uh, Tesla, and then you've got the Tesla uh, power setups. You know, with the big battery containers. Amazing, yeah. And he's been a bit of a gambler, hasn't he? The thing he did in in Australia when he said, "If I don't build this in a hundred days, you can have it," kind of thing. Yeah, it's just. Fair play. Everyone likes a bit of a character, don't they, I suppose? Yeah, and I think a lot of people have taken the... or have basically turned around and, and they don't like it because he's so successful. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't think he did himself any favour with the Twitter thing. It's been a distraction, if anything. But it's good to see Tesla's stock that's doing well again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, we'll do one final news story before we wrap up and then we'll discuss um, briefly um, what, what's coming up for the club. Yeah, sure. So sure. we were talking earlier on about sort of smaller cars, um, thinking about cheaper cars. And um, we've all of us, as EV drivers, sort of been big advocates for, you know, your sub £25,000 cars. And it looks like Citroen uh, are pitching in here. They've got a new... £25,000 Citroen E-C3 to launch. Now, their C3 was a very popular car, wasn't it? Um, looks like it'll have 186 miles of range. And um, let's see, affordable EV market this October. So, coming out October, like I said, it's going to be 25000 or below. Now, just your typical little hatchback, school run, whatever. Not a massive SUV. But I think um, we've all been advocating the sooner we get uh, EVs below £25,000 because, you know, people do a good lot of miles on there, then they might upgrade and then we'll start to have a second-hand market where people can actually afford. Yeah, um, I mean, that that EC3 looks absolutely fantastic. It looks really um, urban uh, is probably the word. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, we do need cheaper EVs. Uh, I've, I've actually been looking through Auto Trader lately and there's some cracking deals on second-hand Zoe's and Zoe's uh, in particular seem to seem to be a good one don't they? yeah 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 um Leafs the, the Nissan Leaf seems to be holding uh, a, a good um value but the, the Zoe's uh yeah absolutely brilliant and I would not hesitate buying a Zoe well I've obviously I've driven a Zoe for the last sort of four four years or so I've had a couple of Zoe's a couple of versions in fact I've had all three versions of the Zoe um, and they've all been great. They hold the charge. They're sporty little numbers, um, and I just, yeah, they're they're a little bit basic for people who like the tech, perhaps. Um, some of them, some of the early ones were, um, but they're a great little car, just like a little Clio, really. Just yeah, you know, perfect for a run or around town. Yeah, um, we we certainly looked at one before that we bought our EV, but. Yeah, there wasn't a lot in it. We could have gone either way. And I think the thing that did it with for us was Zoe, um, it charges at 50 kilowatts, I believe. Yes. Um, whereas the Stellantis car that we've got can charge at 100. And I think that was the only thing that, that split it. And I think it was the radar-guided cruise control. I'm not 100% No, the sure. Zoe doesn't have No, yeah. you're right. Zoe doesn't yeah. have I don't know if newer models have, but... The one I've got, a 2020 model, uh, that just has a very basic cruise control. Yeah, but it, it's it's you can actually see now that the 
the cars are, are slowly getting cheaper and cheaper. They're getting more affordable. There's going to be nowhere to run if you're a non-EV advocate. If you're a petrol head, you know, they're saying, oh, it's too expensive. Wait till a car does X amount of miles. It's like, well, how many miles do you do a day? Ooh, 30? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the old argument, isn't it? But I mean, for me, the only thing I can say is that just about every EV from every generation I've driven, and it's been a few now, is that they all drive lovely, no matter if they're old, young. There's such a improved driving experience on the ice car. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what does it for me is the pure acceleration. Even if you haven't got a very powerful EV, it accelerates like a bat out of hell. Yeah, and, you know, I know people can argue about speeding and stuff, but there's been many a time you've pulled out in a roundabout, something's been in your blind spot, you think, oh, dear, I've got, I've got to get out of the way. And it's there for you immediately. And it has saved me on more than one occasion from my own bad driving. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been fouled to that as well. Um, you, you kind of look across, don't register there's a car there, start to pull out, realise there's a car coming up at quite a rate, put your foot down in an EV, it's instant. But, you know, going back to the original argument, we, we do need cheaper cars. Unfortunately, the Tesla that's they're looking at bringing out the Model 2 or whatever it's going to be called, it might be $25,000 in the, the US, but... Once the UK government get their little hands on it, oh, yeah, it tax on that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be probably 30 plus. I don't know. It's a real shame because there are some really nice cars out there that are cheap. Yeah, and it's, that's why I guess it's good to see people like Citroen, who have manufacturing bases a bit closer than Tesla, are putting investment in cars that everyday folk can afford, you know, yeah, and let's just hope that the market becomes a little bit more saturated with EVs and the price of them starts to go down even more. Because, you know, prior prior to um, to COVID and, and during COVID, EVs were holding their price because of the chip shortage. Now they're slowly, norm, they're normalising now, uh, but we need more of it. We, we need more EVs in the yeah. second-hand market. And I want to see other, other cheap EV solutions like, as you would know, Ivan, the, the listeners might not. I've got uh, any moped that cost me under £3,000. It only does 28 miles an hour. But I commute to that and work many a day. And it gives me a very pleasant EV-style driving experience with that instant torque. And rather than having a city centre full of angry little wasps, fuzzy little two-stroke, horrible little things that are uh, killing your eardrums, it's silent. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, EVs, you know, EVs are can be anything, you know, a scooter, um, even one of those, you can buy these little skateboards with EV motors or a little motor on now. Yeah, um, great fun, but I'd kill myself. Yeah, 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 same here. I, I wouldn't last five minutes on it. But, you know, personal mobility isn't just about cars. It's, you know, we've seen these scooters around. Unfortunately, you get these people that ride these scooters dangerously which give it a bad name but yeah, i think once the legislation catches up and they can properly legislate for where a scooter should be what it should be doing how old it should be for riding it whether it's taxed or not these are these things are a great solution for people's commutes especially if it's only one or two miles absolutely and you've got the perfect setup here you you're you live what five miles away from your work yeah, yeah. 
um, your little scooter does you perfect, and you're you're saving bags of money just because you're not using a car. Penny a mile. Yeah, penny a mile. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Okay, folks, have a little roundup with a few things that are upcoming in the club. Um, happening right now, in fact, no, you've, you've missed it. Um, um, we've had an event today at Braithwell Classic Car and Bike Show. Um, yeah, I think you had to be there with your vehicle before noon, but I dare say the show's probably going on till uh, till later. So our admins are there whilst, whilst, whilst me and Ivan are recording this. So we're all working after a fashion today. And um, we've got some other upcoming events, Ivan. Yeah, we've got um, one, I think it's next week's at Sowerby or Sowerby Hall. Um, so, uh, again, that starts at 10 o'clock. We've got Squires Cafe. That's on the 29th of July. Again, starts at 10 o'clock. All these will be, again, we'll, we'll promote these nearer the time. And we, we will have other podcasts coming out every month. So, yeah. um, And we've got Aston Carnival on Saturday, the 5th of August, again at 10 a.m., and that's at Lodge Lane Recreation Ground. Um, we've also got the, the Rotherham Show, which was a, a great, really good success last year. And um, that's on September the 2nd at 9 o'clock. Okay, so that'll do us for events for now. It's just to say that I hope you've enjoyed this. We do intend to make it a regular thing. Um, if you need us, if you'd like to catch up with the group, we're very, very active on Facebook. Just search for the Yorkshire EV Club. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter um, and if you look for Yorkshire EV Club or at EV Yorkshire not quite as active on there but we do post events if you're a Twitter person and we retweet them regular and we're also on Instagram uh, again just search for Yorkshire EV Club we don't do TikTok yet I think we're all a bit old for that but (laughs) if you're young and you want to do it and you can talk about EVs maybe you can do the TikTok channel and contact us and, uh, and we'll talk to you about that and that's it for me, Darren Sant, and me, Ivan Endicott, and we'll catch you on the next one.